and thank you for listening to Ask the Pastor. This is a segment of the West Hills podcast where you have the opportunity to ask and receive biblical answers on your questions from our lead pastor, Will Duvall. I'm your host, Thad Yessa, and I'm excited to dive into this week's question. This week's question comes to us from you, Pastor Will, and you're asking us to consider along with you this week, how could a Christian not vote for President Trump in the upcoming 2020 election? So let me begin uh, by giving you the context for me raising this question for us. Um, For those who may be listening to this podcast months or even years from now, uh, we're recording this on September 2nd, 2020, just uh, two months before the 2020 presidential election. And two years ago now, one of our earliest episodes, and I still uh, believe, Thad, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think our most popular, most listened to episode And our Ask the Pastor podcast history was in response to uh, my own sister's question, how could any Christian have voted for Donald Trump back in the 2016 election? And uh, Thad, I'll I'll just throw you under the bus for a moment. Um, Thad came into my office two days ago this week, kind of gave me, started the wheels turning for this episode. He said, hey, if you really wanted to examine things from both angles, you ought to record an episode on how a Christian could vote for Biden in 2020. I think Thad was half joking, maybe maybe three quarters joking, but again, it, it did kind of get me thinking. I told him, you know, I don't think I can record that podcast for reasons I'll mention in a moment, but uh, John MacArthur gave me an even better idea right around the same time uh, this week, and his comments um, really constitute the most immediate context for this podcast episode today. So last Friday, MacArthur disclosed in an interview that he had had a personal phone conversation with President Trump earlier in the week in which the president had thanked MacArthur for his very public stand against California's ban on corporate worship services. And MacArthur had in turn assured the president that, quote, any real true believer is going to be on your side in this election. Now, John MacArthur has uh, never been a stranger to controversy, um, but in my own opinion, I think he's crossed a more definitive line this time. His, you know, he had rather harsh remarks about Beth Moore um, that occasioned a previous Ask the Pastor episode for us about uh, women's role in ministry, his stance against Black Lives Matter um, movement, and his spearheading of the Dallas Statement on Social Justice got a lot of backlash. And then obviously he's gained the most notoriety here of late for his civil disobedience of the California ban. But again, I think that MacArthur has has crossed a line this time asserting that any real true believer is going to be on President Trump's side in this election. And so let me rephrase his statement in the form of a question um, and examine his claim. How could a Christian possibly not vote for Trump? And let me try and venture an answer to that and a rebuttal to John MacArthur. So come November 3rd, Christians will have four options when we head to the, the voting booth, okay? Um, let's consider each of them in turn. Number one, vote for Biden. Now, I want to be really clear here, um, really careful, but also really clear. My My whole point in recording this is that I think it was totally inappropriate for a pastor like MacArthur, like myself, to tell Christians who they must support in this or any election. I think that's inappropriate. Uh, So it's not my intention here to tell you who to vote for. What I do think is appropriate and important for 
me as a pastor is to help our church think through voting through a distinctively Christian lens. Christian ought to be the most central part of our identity as believers. If you want to talk about identity politics, that is the only identity that truly matters, that eternally matters in this life and the next. To the believer is my new identity in Christ as his adopted child. And so everything I do in this life, every decision I make ought to flow out of and be in line with that identity. And so with that in mind, and again, being careful, but also very clear, I will say that as a Christian, I could never cast a vote for someone who openly supports and wants to expand a woman's so-called right to abortion. Every Bible-believing Christian must affirm on the basis of Psalm 139, Jeremiah 1, Psalm 51, Exodus 21, Luke 1, Galatians 1, and many other passages that human life begins at conception, that abortion therefore amounts to murder, and that abortion therefore constitutes the single most egregious widespread holocaust in the history of humankind. In our country alone, there have been an estimated 60 million babies killed since Roe v. Wade passed in 1973. Will there be lots of other important issues represented on the ballot this November? Yes. But if one of the candidates came out tomorrow and declared, hey, I support a woman's right to end the life of her child up to the age of 18, when they're legally an adult, it becomes murder. But until then, hey, they're in your custody as a parent. You get to decide if they live or die. I think most of us as Christians, as a society, would stand up and say that is insanely evil. And we would quickly become single-issue voters against that candidate. That is a disqualifying issue. And my point is, as Christians, we should see no distinction in the humanity, the intrinsic value, the dignity and worth of the unborn baby and the 17-year-old young adult. Now, let me pause for a moment and recognize, for some Christians, there may be other disqualifying issues as well just on policy alone. Some Christians may feel unable in good conscience to support a candidate who isn't pushing hard for police reform right now, or criminal justice reform, or gun control. One could say, well, Jesus healed the sick and fed the hungry. I can't support a candidate who opposes universal health care or wants to roll back the welfare system. But what makes virtually every other issue that I can think of different from abortion and not inherently morally binding upon the Christian conscience in the same way is one of two factors. Either, number one, there are differences in beliefs about the role of government, or number two, there are differences in beliefs about policy effectiveness. So, for number one, for example, a Christian can support helping the poor as an individual, as a church, without believing that it is the government's job to do so, or that the government is particularly good at doing it. Whether you are for or against the expansion of the welfare system then often has more to do with one's view of government than your concern for poverty. Another example of of number two, differences in policy effectiveness. Every Christian will be for peace, will be against gun violence, but we can disagree on which policies accomplish that, whether putting Tighter restrictions on legally purchasing guns and and gun owners is the most effective way, smartest way to maximize peace and safety. Intelligent, faithful believers will disagree on these things. But intelligent, faithful, Bible-believing Christians cannot disagree on the fact that abortion is murder and the role of government, if it has any role at all, 
And Romans 13 tells us that it does. Government is the servant of God who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Its role is to protect the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for all of its citizens, especially the most vulnerable. And so abortion is a disqualifying issue for us as Christians. So that means as we turn to second option for voting this election, voting for someone else, a third-party candidate, not Biden or Trump, uh, we can also rule that option out because the only other two non-major party candidates that I see slated to be on the ballot in all 50 states are Hawkins of the Green Party and Jorgensen of the Libertarian Party, and both of them are also in favor of a woman's so-called right to choose. So that is no help to Christians, unless you're talking about writing someone in which I suppose is a fifth possibility open to Christians, technically, is drive all the way to the polls, uh, the, the ballot, just to, to write someone in. But unless you're writing someone in as a Bible-believing, life-affirming Christian, you are potentially then left with only two options. You vote for Donald Trump or you abstain from voting altogether. And since I already made the case two years ago for how a Christian could, not necessarily should, but could vote for Trump, in a previous episode, for the sake of argument here, let me just make the case for how a Christian could, again, not necessarily should, but at least could refuse to vote for President Trump in 2020. And I think the first thing that needs to be said is that I do not find anywhere in Scripture that leads me to believe that it is a Christian's moral duty to vote. We typically discuss voting in terms of our civic duty. We feel an obligation to vote, a desire to vote, because we recognize that it is a right that we have been afforded, that others have fought and died for. It is a privilege to live in a democracy where we get a say in who governs us and how they do so. And we want to honor that by participating in the process and making our voice heard. All those things are true. But I believe it still all falls under the category of civic duty, not moral duty. And I also believe there is at least the hypothetical possibility that there could be an election where, and let, let's just get this out of the way at the start, to a certain extent, we're always choosing between the lesser of two evils. Every vote you cast in your life, other than your decision to follow Jesus, will be for a sinner. For those of you West Hills members who voted for me as your lead pastor a year and a half ago, guess what? You voted for a sinner. And some of you are thinking, yes, this podcast is proof of it. And that's fine. We can disagree on voting. And I look forward to your emails and calls this week. We can have a civilized, gracious, loving follow-up conversation. But even with the allowance that we are always choosing between the lesser of two evils, we're always voting for a sinner, I can at least imagine a scenario in which both evils are so egregious that a Christian could not in good conscience cast a vote for either one. So like, hypothetically, if Hitler were running against Stalin, who would you vote for? Now, I am not equating either Biden or Trump with that level of evil, necessarily. At the moment, I'm just arguing for the principle of a Christian conscientiously objecting, abstaining from voting. It is not always sinful to refuse to vote. And if you can get on board with that idea that a, that a faithful Christian may find herself in a position in an election where the lesser or the least of all four evils is not voting for either of the two major party candidates nor a third party candidate, but that foregoing her civic duty to vote 
is actually the least of the four evils, then the question becomes, how bad does a candidate have to get before he disqualifies himself from being able to be voted for in good conscience? Like, how bad uh, does it have to be before I, I can no longer vote for you? Could a Christian look at Donald Trump's record, both personally and professionally, both before taking office and since taking office, and conclude that he or she can no longer in good conscience cast a vote for him? And I think the answer to that question has to be yes. I'm not saying that is where I land personally. Again, I will not tell you as your pastor how I plan to vote, nor how you should vote. Standing up against abortion, yes, that much I will be clear on, as all Christians should. But beyond that, I would just say that I have talked to many friends, Christian friends, who value and appreciate the right, the privilege, the duty that it is to vote, but who in this particular upcoming election, perhaps more so than ever, feel like the choices they've been given, the four candidates on the ballot, are all so bad that they cannot, in good conscience, vote for any one of them. And I think that the the idea that other Christians, like John MacArthur, would look down on those believers who plan to abstain from voting altogether and would make such absolute statements as, any real true believer is going to be on President Trump's side in this election is a travesty. I think it's wrong. Given Trump's record, his multiple extramarital affairs, given his crude misogynistic statements that leaked even before the 2016 election, given his crude unchristian statements since he took office, none of which that I can tell has he ever expressed any repentance or remorse for, given the dozens of falsehoods he has promulgated, blatant distortions of the truth, his lack of integrity and trustworthiness, even on the basis of job performance alone, and making good on his campaign promises. I saw a friend's post the other day. Only three miles of wall got built. Mexico didn't pay for it. Hillary is not locked up. Obamacare wasn't repealed. The deficit has skyrocketed. Millions are unemployed. And instead of being great again, America is the epicenter of a global pandemic and race riots. There was the John McCain thing. There was the making fun of the disabled reporter thing. There was the separating kids from their from parents at the border thing. The gassing of peaceful protesters for the church photo op thing. Using the Bible as a prop. The list goes on and on. I think there are plenty of valid reasons that a Christian could look at th- this man, this candidate, and decide that he or she cannot vote for Trump in 2020. Is it possible, despite all of that, for a Christian to still decide to vote for Trump, to vote for the platform and not the person, the policies and not the person. Yes, I think that is also possible, but I don't think at all that it should be a foregone conclusion that, as MacArthur said, that any real true believer is by definition going to be on Trump's side in this election. As believers, we seek to be on God's side. There hasn't been a single candidate since Jesus that deserved 100% of the vote. And by the way, the the idea that the Christian who writes in Jesus on his ballot, if you drive to the the, the voting voting booth and and write in Jesus, that that's the, the same thing as voting for Biden. We've all heard that before. A vote for the libertarian or a, a write-in vote is failing to vote altogether. It's all the same as a vote for Biden, as if evangelicals owe Trump our vote, as if Christian is synonymous with Republican. Get out of here with that nonsense. That is blasphemy. I don't owe anyone my vote but Jesus. The rest of you can come and earn my vote. 
And we're all going to have our different thresholds on how bad is so bad that I can no longer vote for you anymore. Abortion is an absolute disqualifier. Beyond that, there may well be other disqualifying policies or traits or decisions, uh, but I think we have to leave room for some freedom of conscience on that uh, as, as Christians. And so, like I said, I anticipate um, a lot of, you know, heat. Uh, maybe I should say some heat um, on, on this episode from both sides of the aisle. To a certain extent, uh, I appreciate that about our church. I appreciate that we have believers whose uh, politics differ pretty widely, uh, but we can come together every Sunday around the gospel, the cross, and God's word. But I just want to end with two warnings for us um, here, here as we wrap up the episode. Number one, I, I warn us against making unfair, uncharitable assumptions about the beliefs and motives of those who disagree with you, especially within the church. Will there be Christians who will vote for Biden in this election? Yes. Should they is a different question, but some will. And does that necessarily mean that they love the murder of babies? No. Will there be Christians who vote for Trump in this election? Yes. Does that necessarily mean that they hate immigrants and blacks and poor people? No. Support for a candidate does not necessarily imply support for all of his policies, every decision, every personality trait. And number two, I would warn us against making a person's vote, regardless of who it's for, the litmus test for true Christian faith. MacArthur has misspoken and overstepped here badly. The mark of a Christian is not as simple as checking a box. I mean, if only it was that easy. Just check a box and that proves you're a Christian. I posted this to Facebook last week. Is it possible that we get so passionate every four years because in our sloth, we are looking to a politician to do what God has called us to do because it's easier to just vote for the pro-life candidate than spend our Saturday picketing at Planned Parenthood because we feel good if we vote for the pro-immigrant candidate without having to actually cook them a meal for the refugee family in our neighborhood. The marks of a true Christian are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those traits ought to affect our vote, yes, but they also ought to affect our whole lives. And so I encourage us to pursue righteousness and justice, not just with how we vote, but with all of our lives, all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, all our decisions in life, and to be slow to judge our fellow brothers and sisters in the church this election season especially. We face a tough decision this November. Make no mistake about it. If you are confident in your vote already this November, I, I challenge you to spend more time in prayer and in God's word because this is not an easy, clear decision. And recognizing that ought to give us a lot of grace and understanding toward others, even those who will disagree with us. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Ask the Pastor. Remember that you can ask your questions each week at the info bar at West Hills or by submitting them online through our website at westhillsstl.org. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. And thanks for listening.